Hey, everybody, and welcome to a new edition of the award-winning Talking About Cars, where it's all about everybody has a car story, from celebrities to car personalities to drivers and race cars, all sorts of people in the car industry. I'm Randy Cardoon, and recently I was fortunate enough to be asked to host the celebrity stage at the Classic Auto Show here in Los Angeles. I got to talk to some of the top car personalities out there, and I'm going to be sharing those interviews over the next several weeks with you. These are interviews you could only have heard if you were at the show. But now, Talking About Cars will be bringing you these interviews with Wayne Carini, Steve Mole, Dave Kindig, Bogila Tyner, along with Rachel DeBarros, Horny Mike, Kevin Mack, and Stacy David, all courtesy of the Classic Auto Show. But first, NASCAR driver Kurt Busch, he was here in L.A. for the Auto Club 400 at Fontana, who suddenly appeared one day on TMZ, of all places, at a Malibu restaurant, driving a car, I gotta tell you, that was unbelievably cool and unbelievably his. <laughs> uh, it was a, a fun surprise. I mean, I was on the list to get a Ford GT, from Ford Motor Company and racing with them over the you know last 18 years on the NASCAR circuit and I was told you know midsummer delivery and but I picked up my colors with my wife Ashley and we were just expecting it later on and she arranged it quicker with Ford they surprised me they delivered the car in Vegas last week my hometown and now we've had it with us out on the west coast it's been fun driving the Ford GT around putting miles on it and I went to dinner uh, with a mutual friend who knew Caitlyn Jenner, and she's a big car buff. She knows her cars. She's been in race cars all her life. And last year when I was at Nobu, I'm like, who's got this violet Porsche GT3 parked out front? I'm like, somebody's balling with this Porsche with their own private color. Caitlin's always at uh, all sorts of car shows and all sorts of uh, cruise days and Sunday coffees and all that other stuff. So you drove it from Vegas to here? Well, I didn't put the useless miles on the interstate across uh, the Ford GT. No, I, I trailered it. Once I took delivery, I'm like, I got to set this up where we're going <laughs> to trailer it around at these West Coast races, but we'll drive it around in town and go to some fun spots, some iconic spots, as well as I want to let certain people that have helped my career and people that have influenced me in my career, I want to give the gift back and let them drive the car as well. Oh, wow. Now, that is huge. People who have that kind of car, they rarely let anybody drive it. In fact, would you let your wife drive it? She wants to drive it. It's actually an automatic. <laughs> All new Ford GTs are automatic. You can go into paddle shift mode, but it is a treat to drive, and I think she would really enjoy it. And you'd let other people drive the car? Yeah, I do. I, I've let my uh, best man at my wedding so far, he drove it. So, I don't know. I just feel like uh, the gift that was given to me by Ford, I want to share it with other people as well. Good for you. Very good. Now, that's that. you're a giver, and that's always a big thing. Oh, thanks. I, just, <laughs> I feel like uh, the car needs to be out there and be seen and be driven. And also, you know, when people take pictures with it and people don't know much about the car yet, they're like, they walk up to it and they go, it's a Ford. And they're surprised by it. So that, that's catching a lot of people off guard, too, which is great. All right, to the race. Now, was it Vegas or Arizona where you went out in the 183rd lap? Uh, Vegas, we had a, a rough outing. We were running in the top 10, and it spun around on me. And then uh, Phoenix, we were able to bounce back, win one of our stages in the mid part of the race, and then finish 10th overall. So it's been a good start to the year with each of the tracks running well. 
We just still have those little things that we got to perfect to be able to get to victory lane. And I and I notice you're uh, currently 11th in the driver's standings. And uh, but as far as racing at the Auto Club Speedway, you actually have done pretty well. Uh, however, last year and the year before, you finished 24th. You finished 30th. Uh, what's happened to you in the last couple of years, and how do you change that and, and get up there in the leaderboard uh, for this year? Yeah, it's been a, a rough go the last two years. Uh, I'd call it almost a disaster, the way that uh, the two races have gone for us. And even, you know, like the 2015 year, I was leading, coming to take the white flag, and the yellow came out, and we just didn't get off pit road quick enough. So to have a winning car in 2015, and then to almost have the same setup in 2016, it was it was awful. The car just split all around. And it has to do with the downforce levels and with the tires changing. And I just need to adapt better to the way the downforce levels have changed. So this time around, I know that going in, we couldn't use, you know, that 2016 is a fluke anymore. And 2017, we definitely struggled. So we got to go this time around with a whole new notebook. So, yeah, you were driving Chevys. You were, now you're driving Fords. How much of a transition is that, though? I mean, most of these cars are pretty much the same. But is there much of a transition between the two? No, there is. There's um, the, the downforce levels are, are different between the cars uh, as far as where they're distributed, uh, as far as front downforce or rear downforce. Uh, torque ranges in the engine, higher or lower. Uh, then the support that you receive from the manufacturer on trending schemes, uh, pitch strategies, uh, information sharing, and a lot of that changed when we switched over to Ford. It's been that much better. Who's the guy that you're going to be watching out for, especially this year? Is there a new driver on the tour that's going to be someone you're going to look out for? Someone that uh, is up and coming, or is there just somebody that always gives you a big challenge in these races this year, including at uh, Auto Club? You know, the trend right now has been the veterans. Uh, Kevin Harvick, my teammate, they're on fire. I mean, everything they do, they, they come out really on the top end with the performance side of it, the pitch strategy side pit crew so right now kevin harvick is the hottest guy on the circuit uh, my little brother has been nipping at his heels he's going to be tough and once we get some of the patterns situated with our team i'm looking at the 41 i'm looking at the monster energy forward being pretty good and i need to capitalize on this weekend at california speedway to set the tone for the rest of the year we were kicking around questions and one how sick do you have to be to miss a race i mean what's the do you drive no matter what when it comes to racing i had a uh, an episode of a food poisoning uh with some venison meat that i um that that i had in texas and then the next race was phoenix and man i mean i ate it on a friday night and i was down for the count uh, Saturday morning, I had to um, let somebody else practice the car. And as a driver, the mentality is, man, if somebody else is in your seat, they got a chance to take that ride from you. And so I'm in the infield care center getting IVs. They're, they're giving me all this medicine. Pump. I mean, I swore I slept 20 hours on that Saturday. I had the backup driver ready for Sunday, and I muscled through it on Sunday and actually had one of those calm races where nothing was too exciting and i think i was able to bring it home right around the 10th place finish so it wasn't the best effort but we were able to get through the day 
And of course, there's no such thing as a barf bag in a in a NASCAR vehicle. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> of course, no, you got to keep digging. <laughs> <laughs> and the other question is probably one step too far. The question was, okay, this is not only you but everybody. We watch these races. You dry, you're in them for hours. What happens if heaven forbid you got to go? I mean, do you have like a <laughs> catheter attached? What's the deal? I get that question a lot, but it's mainly from school kids. You know? Exactly. It's, well, this is, I, I don't want to tell you who gave it to me, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. No, it, it's a question that comes up a lot. And for me, you know, I, I sweat a lot in the car. And when you're sweating, you're, you're burning off all of the fluids that you, you took in. And for me, I've never had the urgency to have to go in the car. I, I take a leak before the race and after, but in the car, you're so focused. You're, you're working hard, and I sweat it out, literally. And you're young, so you don't have to worry about that other stuff. I completely get that. All right. <laughs> See, you listen to talking about cars. You learn something that maybe you didn't know before. Or not. Kurt Busch, driving the number 41 Ford Fusion for Stuart Haas Racing. Now, my interviews on the celebrity stage at the Classic Auto Show in Los Angeles. This week, let's hear it for my interview with Wayne Carini of Chasing Classic Cars and car builder and customizer Steve Mole. How you guys doing? Now, of course, you guys know Wayne will be celebrating his one millionth episode of Chasing Classic Cars this year. I'm sorry, maybe I missed that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, more like 225, something like that. 225. Well, I was close. Close to a million. I was close to a million. Closer than it was last time we saw him here. Yeah, absolutely. Steve, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. And you Appreciate are the Grand Marshal. And if you've watched Wayne's show, you know, what was fascinating is the fact that when Steve puts these things together, and, and I remember that time you went to talk to him about the car, it, it's not like, Steve, make me a car. Steve does unbelievable stuff. Explain how he does that. What uh, you fascinated know, you about you know, it? Well, I mean, I met Steve on the California Melee, and we had a great time together. We became good friends, as you see. Look, I mean, we look like brothers anyway, so, <laughs> you know, that, that really uh, started a good conversation, but... Uh, I was intrigued by the quality of his work and how the cars drove, and uh, so I, actually I was in town. I, I stopped over to Steve's shop and visited uh, he and his sons and and all the guys in the shop. And I said, "Geez, you know, I'd like to have one of your cars one of these days. And if you ever see one come up for sale, please let me know." And he says, "Well, the heck with that." He says, "Let's just build you one." And literally within two hours, we had the car off the ground and started that that process and we shook hands on it and uh that was it it was it was the car was in the making and steve if i'm not mistaken you really make the car to the measurements of the person correct that's right yeah we uh we size them up <laughs> that's and that's interesting because you know you get all sorts of people that come in let's say a car like wayne's you could you could put it together for anybody and it would be kind of a different dimension of vehicle well, that's right, and we, uh, we not only want them to be comfortable in this car so they can drive it and enjoy it, and we want them to look good in it and going down the road. So you've got to have all your, all your uh, uh, proportions correct because, uh, you know, you've got to look cool. <laughs> and you also do other different cars. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Tim Allen has a car here that you worked on? Yeah, he has a 55 Ford here that he likes to drive. Uh, he drives a, a lot, quite a bit, uh, apparently, I should say. And his daughter told me that the other day. And that's one of the cars that he takes out, a special car he takes out frequently. So uh, so when he came into your office and he said, Steve, I want you to do something with this car, what, what was he asking for? 
I think he, um, he didn't ask. He told me. <laughs> okay. He, he, uh, he um, wanted, he's a Detroit guy and a Michigan guy, and I think he wanted something that he might have uh, taken down um, uh, Woodward Boulevard in his, uh, in his early years and uh, tear up the countryside and, uh, you know, have kind of a sinister look and, uh, and a sleeper look at the same time. So uh, his, the 55 Ford's not the one you would think you, one would choose, but that's what the choice was, and uh, there he has it. That's wild. Wayne, you've been doing, as you said, over 200 shows. How many more cars are in garages out there for you to find? There's a lot of cars out there, and it's amazing to be able to, to get the leads and find them. It's, every day I wake up, I can't wait to read my emails and check my phone messages because you just don't know what's, what's going to come at you. I got an email this morning for a, a BMW, the, uh, the Batmobile BMW, so um, not expecting that email. Uh, the other day we found a Porsche 4Cam that had been apart since 1970 in a garage in Dalton, Georgia. So. You just don't know, and, and it's exciting every day. You know, it's, it's, it's like Christmas. When you first started doing this, though, you didn't have a lot of Internet. You didn't have a lot of uh, opportunity to sit there and get snail mail from a lot of people. How did you find some of these cars even before, let's say, you were doing this for TV? My, my dad uh, grew up doing this business, and, and so I was sort of trained by my father. You know, whenever we're driving around, you always look in somebody's backyard or, or a garage, hoping the garage doors open so that you can peek inside and see what they've got, you know, in storage. And my father taught me how to uh, read Hemmings Motor News, and, and so, so he wouldn't buy something immediately. He would dog-ear the page, and then he would go back about three, four months, six months later, and call the guy and see if, if the car was still for sale. If it was, then he could get a better price on the cars because they, they for sure wanted to sell it if they had it for that period of time. So all little tricks like that, but then suddenly um, the Internet happened and, and things changed quite a bit. And then now, of course, with I get so many leads because of my television show. It's just immense. That's wild. And, and again, if you've seen his show, and I'm sure you guys have, so many different kinds of cars. I know you specialize, or at least you seem to do a lot of cars from the, from the 20s, uh, 30s, 40s, that kind. But you really look at all sorts of different cars. We love all cars. And, that, and that's, the, that's the key to the whole thing is, is having an open mind. You know, if I just like you know, Camaros or, or Corvettes or, or Ford you know, Falcons or something like that, then it wouldn't be as an elaborate you know, a show that we have showing all different cars and, and different aspects of the automobiles. I love the fact that sometimes you go into these garages looking for one thing and you hear about something else that's in the garage and then you go, eh, this isn't going to be a big deal. And then you find out it's a big deal. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's something I, I bought. Uh, I've bought several cars in the past where I've gone to buy that particular car. And then the guy says, oh, do you like this Fiat? It's, it's kind of a strange car. I think there's only two of them made, you know, and and I know, you know, he unravels that, and I go, oh, my what? God, I can't believe it. Yeah, <laughs> just, you never know. Or you get, uh, you know, they'll find out that you're there, especially if we show up with the cameras, and the, and the next-door neighbor comes over and says, my uncle up the, you know, in the next town's got a couple cars. Maybe we should go see those. So we get a lot of leads that way, too. Wow. Steve, we ask this question a lot of our people on Talking About Cars, the podcast, which, by the way, you could listen to on Radio.com and iTunes and also Stitcher. The first car you remember as a kid that you saw and kind of blew your mind, the one you saw and it just kind of lit the fire under you being a car guy. Well, it's interesting. I, I grew up in um, Oakland, California, 
And in our neighborhood, there was mostly custom cars. They were uh, lowered 50 Fords, lowered Mercuries, more Fords than Mercuries. The Mercuries are more expensive. And uh, 52 Chevys. And uh, I always fantasized about having a custom car. And uh, I liked hot rods, and, but uh, the custom cars are what attracted me the most. And, and uh, I haven't been involved in building custom cars, which is sort of interesting. And uh, I still love them an awful lot. And uh, maybe one day we're going to coach build a custom car. <laughs> maybe an all-aluminum Mercury or something. But uh, um, uh, the custom cars got me, um, you know, chop tops. They were typically primered. Uh, they never, I don't know that they ever got finished. Uh, probably got wrecked before they got finished. But uh, that was the scene where I grew up. Top five cars that is on number one through five on Steve Mole's list of cars I want someday. Well, there's cars that I would like to have that I won't get because I, <laughs> um, I love the 2.9 Alpha Touring body 2.9 Alpha. Uh, I call it a 2.9 Alpha. I think they're 2,900, whatever. I have a fabulous bronze sculpture by Stanley Wanless on my, in my office of that Alpha. John Mozart has my favorite one. Uh, they're, they're in the stratosphere in terms of value. I have, that is I, clearly one of the most beautiful cars on earth. I love Scarab race cars. I love the fact that they're Metallic blue for the most part. I love that color. I'm a blue nut. Uh, they were All-American, uh, striping by Von Dutch, built in Southern California right here. Uh, won a lot of races. The whole story of Lance Reventlow and the whole, that whole thing was just, uh, I love it. Um, are we talking about five? I need some more, do I? No, no. Okay, well, those are a couple of good ones right there, and, and certainly... Curtis Craft cars of all kinds. Wayne, Donald Osborne's going to be here. We've talked on, and, and you said on our podcast, isn't it Donald's article about you kind of got your attention to the guy that produced your show? Yeah, a really great story how I, I chased a Hudson Italia since I was 16 years old, and I bought the, that exact car when I was 52. And Donald Osborne loves Italian-built or Italian coachwork body cars. So um, I told him the story how that pursuit of that car, and uh, he wrote an article, appeared in the New York Times, um, and it was a, on the Sunday Times, a full page, and Jim Ostrowski, who is the head of my production company, read that article and called me the next day and said, I'd like to do a TV show about you. And I thought he was a little crazy. I thought maybe it was just a local you know, cable show or something like that. He says, no, it's for Discovery Channel. So he came up, we talked to my office for 20 minutes, uh, he got the camera out of his car, and that was 12 years ago. Uh, we've been filming Chasing Classic Cars now for 12 years because of Donald in that article. So I told Steve, though, this morning, the story this morning about my friendship with Donald. Donald's a great writer, great friend of the families. We've been friends for over 35 years. And when it came time to do, uh, uh, I was doing my Chasing Classic Cars show, and what's my car worth called me and said, we'd like you to be the co-host. And so I sort of thought about it and I said, no, nah, I'd, I'd, I'd really like to just stick to my Chasing Classic Car show. But there's a friend of mine, Donald Osborne, that I think would really fit the bill. They called Donald and Donald became a regular on, on what's my car worth. Um, that sort of went away and they got another co-host. 
and uh, Donald uh, wasn't very happy about not having that opportunity to do that any longer. And then it was about three or four months later, Jay Leno called me and said, hey, I'm doing the show, um, you know, my big dog garage show for TV. What do you know about that Osborne guy? And so I recommended him again. So Donald got me my TV show, and then I returned the favor, and I got him two TV shows of, of, of that uh, nature. So, so it's, it's kind of cool. So the 10% finder fee thing, that's how you rep responded in kind? It, Is that it? it? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So basically, if I understand the math, he owes you another show. He, he does, but, uh, but I'm good with my own show now. It's okay. All right. All right. I think we're good. Because some people, I mean, you see them show up everywhere, some of these people who do those kind of things. So, Steve, and you know what's interesting about Steve? I was doing some, <laughs> scarily enough, I prepared for this. I was doing some research on Steve, and what I found fascinating is his business is truly a family business. Talk, Steve, about how many generations of your family are involved in this business. Well, involved at the moment, two generations, then that would be the third generation, that would be me, and the fourth generation, uh, my son's Michael and David. Michael's here, and David's on his way this evening. Uh, David's working. He has to work today. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we're third and fourth generation running it at the moment. Um, my grandfather, who was a wheelwright, from, uh, made handmade uh, carved wooden wheels for horse-drawn buggies in, in uh, France, uh, came to this country and, and started making car bodies. Um, my father built, uh, loved woodworking as much or more than metalworking, did a lot of metalworking, but he built boats and raced boats, and I grew up around boat racing, and um, of course metal forming, the boats had metal cowlings on the hydroplanes and so forth, and, uh, and then I came along, and um, uh, hot rodding was a good avenue to do work um, and, and make hoods and gas tanks and so forth, I started doing that, and, and here we are many years later, um, dragged my sons into it, and uh, David uh, is a mechanical engineer and, do, engineer, and he does all our CNC uh, machining and, and uh, CAD modeling and so forth, and Michael manages the shop, and Michael's a uh, car nut like I am. He has, I think he has a bigger collection of cars than I do, and, and so here we are, three and, and four. And you have a grandson as well. Yeah, we have a grandson, and, and apparently he told uh, Michael that uh, he, he wants to get a demon. <laughs> Good uh, choice. <laughs> I, I just got mine, I'll tell you. And the roads are so back, bad in Connecticut, I haven't taken it out yet, so I can't wait to get home and the roads get clear so I can drive it. We were talking about this a little bit in the back there, and, and the thing that crossed my mind is the demon is the big thing now. So no one cares about that other Dodge Challenger anymore, do they? Oh, that's a grocery getter now. <laughs> 700 horsepower is not enough. Yeah, you got to no. have 840 horsepower. Meanwhile, for some of us that drive RT Challengers, it's like, oh, that's like the six-cylinder duster. <laughs> it's just like, okay, great, fine. That's what I'm driving. That's... You know, new cars are so cool. It's amazing the amount of horsepower you get out of these cars. I had an I had a uh, opportunity to drive a Kia Stinger uh, last week. 365 horsepower, all-wheel drive. The thing is crazy how fast it is. So technology is unbelievable. Compared to like the muscle cars of years ago, which we thought was really cool to get 356 or th horsepower out of a 383 Chrysler. Yeah, 
These are V6 cars with twin turbos, though, now. So, in other words, at least the gas mileage is better. That's right. Yeah, and, right. The, and the power is outstanding. It really is. Okay. <laughs> this is what we've got, folks. This is what it's coming down to. You talk about all the different cars that you've found in garages. Is the focus of your shows in the future, do you find it ever changing to a different kind of car? Or do you find you're just because of the times and because of the cars that people are driving now? Well, I mean, we, we certainly focus on every type of car, every, every era of car. Um, uh, it is called chasing classic cars, uh, so we sort of have to stick to that. But it's whatever is interesting and I find interesting, and I try to make sure that the, that the viewer will be interested too. Our show is not scripted. It's just about what happens on a daily basis in our shop. Uh, the kind of cars that come my way and I'm able to buy, able to go and search down. And if I think it's cool, I hope everyone else thinks it's cool too. I mean, I get a lot of people say, well, how come you haven't done a story about a 65 Mustang or, or you know, an 86 Camaro or something like that? They just don't come at me uh, in the fashion that m most of the other cars come at me. And so our show's a little bit different. We, you know, what's really great about TV shows today with automobiles is every show is is very very good in one way or another. Everybody's got a little bit different. Dave's show's fa fabulous. All Girls Garage is is fantastic. So everybody's is a little different. If they were all exactly the same, it'd be pretty boring. But each one's different. And I think that's what Velocity does a really great job doing. Steve, of all the cars that you had but do not have anymore, what's the one car you would like back? Well, I, um, I I don't know that I'd want it back. Well, I guess I would want it back. I had a, a Lamborghini Miura for probably 30 years, and I, I didn't even have a car cover for it uh, because I just loved to look at it. It was everything beautiful Italian to me, and I drove it and loved the sound of it, and it was, uh, it was a wicked machine. I sold it not too many years ago, and um, I didn't think I'd ever have a... Um, classic Italian sports car ever again in my lifetime um, and uh, the Gatto came back into our life uh, we we built it for a fellow and uh, one thing led to another and our family now owns it so got my Italian sports car back and never dreamt that my Italian sports car would be one that we built um, but uh, the Lamborghini Mirror is pretty darn cool yeah. how big is your garage how many cars at my home? Eh. <laughs> uh, okay. How many at garages home? do you have? Uh, well, at home, I, I got about 12 or so. <laughs> but half of those are my son Michael's. So I remember I told you his collection's bigger than mine. Right, so. okay. How many garages do you have and how big are they? How many cars are in there? Uh, well, it's full. We probably have 12 cars and and I'm, I'm a glutton for punishment. I continue to build cars at home in my garage. I'm building one there right now, and Michael's restoring a Shelby Mustang there right now. So we're, we, st we still work uh, nights, weekends, and uh, I must say I love that. And sometimes our business takes us away from the actual hands-on. What does the wife say when you go, honey, I've got another car for the garage? I don't know. She's wonderful. Um, I guess it's become our life. And uh, like a lot of, of all of you and all of us, our car experience are, is our extended family, whether it's our hot rod buddies or our club buddies and our cars and everything. So they become our extended family. So I think that's when the, 
the wife can say, okay, we got another car, but we're going to go see so-and-so, you know, and, and their son is our godson or whatever. So uh, I think that probably is the case with every club here and every car collector here. I think you're right. Melanie's out there with the microphone. If you guys have any questions to ask our distinguished group, raise your hand and uh, go ahead. Hi, how are you? We're doing good. Great. How about you? I got a request and a question. Okay. Bring Roger next year. Bring Roger with yeah, me? I can't even get Roger to come to work. <laughs> how, how am I going to talk him into coming here? question is, you mentioned earlier about getting the email for the BMW. Yeah. Is that how the subject of the shows evolve by getting the emails? How, how does that Sometimes, work? Sometimes, I mean, it's, it could be phone calls, could be emails, could be somebody just you know, sends me on a lead and I, and I go and knock on somebody's door. Um, it all, de all depends. Every, everything is different. Every day is different. There's no formula to it at all. Um, it's just tracking these things down and then, and then following through on them. I mean, I get, I get a four to 500 emails a day. And so to try to go through those and read every one of them and stuff is, is very, very difficult. I used to have an assistant, but uh, she's become a school teacher now. So um, I'm sort of looking for a new assistant to be able to follow through on those things. But how, how do you make the choice that this fine will make a show? Um, it, it's all how I feel about it. It's, it's, you know, how the car hits me and how interesting I think it is and how interesting it is to me and how interesting I think it's going to be to the viewer. Has anybody like your producer ever tried to talk you into a car that maybe you weren't so hot on or something like that? No, the production company is really great with me. I mean, basically, I can do and, and talk about anything I want. And, and the network really backs me up on that. Uh, I have an autistic daughter, and, and I, I bring up autism every once in a while, and, and it's really fabulous to be able to do that and bring uh, awareness of autism to people. And we don't do it, you know, we're not on a soapbox talking about it, but I, but I make sure that she's in the show with me, she's driving with me, and, and people that bring so much awareness uh, to, to autism. So um, the network really does a fabulous job with letting me run and do anything I want to do. Any other questions over on this side? You do realize we can't see you guys. Yeah, the lights are <laughs> the, kind of the bright. The lights are bright, and we have no idea, so. <laughs> so this question is uh, maybe a little bit uh, beyond the show. It has to do with uh, where do you see this hobby and this interest in automobiles really going? And my question is really rooted in a conversation I had with my uh, granddaughter. At the time, she was about seven and a half. And she said, Dad, um, my grand uh, said, Grandpa, she said, uh, my friend Ava is really interested in automotives. And I said, oh, great, she's a car girl. <laughs> and she said, no, listen to me, it's automotives. I said, okay. She said, she's interested in how people are going to move in the future. And I was, I mean, this is from a seven and a half year old. I was fascinated. I'm 82, and the way I look at cars and think about this hobby is completely different. Uh, then heard the mention, and I know, Wayne, that you had a show once, you were teaching kids at high school how to drive a, a conventional shift car. But where do you see all of this going, and how it's all changing, and how it's going to impact the hobby? Well, I, I think that it's certainly a concern. Um, you know, we, I work with Haggerty Collector Car Insurance, and we teach kids how to drive standard shift cars. Um, and that's important because if no one knows how to drive a standard shift car in, in 10 years, nobody's going to want the cars that we see out here on the floor because probably 90% of them are standard shift cars. 
Um, that's very important, but there's other factors involved. And, and kids today, they're really concerned about transportation. How are we gonna get from point A to point B? Um, we've been on, on lots of panels and talked about this with a lot of very important people that, are, that research this stuff. Pods will become something in the future, and, and it's not that distance future, with cities like Los Angeles, New York City, that kind of stuff, where there won't be any cars allowed in the city. It'll be Uber and Lyft own vehicles that come to you and they bring you to wherever you program to take you. Um, but that's still not going to change the hobby. Um, there'll be so many people, we're all so enthusiastic about automobiles and passionate about automobiles. Um, automobiles are really a cool thing too, is that they're just over a hundred years old. I mean, to think that this thing has created this huge hobby, but yet it's transportation. If we didn't have automobiles and trucks, where would this country be today? I mean, it's, it was probably one of the most important inventions ever, is the mass-produced automobile. And, and to think that we would ever wean ourselves off of that, I don't, I don't think that that's really a, a reality. Uh, we'll, we'll still be able to enjoy our cars, but things are going to change a little bit. Um, Tesla's developing these trucks autonomous trucks and, and I believe that maybe within seven or eight years you're gonna see these things on highways where a driver will take the box from a location that's just off the highway put it in the station near the highway and these autonomous trucks will be hooked up to the to the box and, and haul it to the next location um, so things can are these change. coexist can can the fact that we drive our cars on Sunday or something like that can these wheels we're seeing coexist oh, with what's coming up? Absolutely, you're not going to see that change. It would be two or three life uh, cycles before that really changes, I believe. So, I mean, we don't have any problem with it, but it's our kids, our grandson. You know, I have a two-year-old grandson. I sort of start to think, will he drive my mole speedway someday? You know, and will his son drive or daughter drive that? Um, those are the concerns that we really have to think about right now. Today, yeah, we've got to think about them. We've got to deal with them. Um, also, automotive te uh, technology programs in schools. There's no shop classes anymore. People are afraid the insurance companies won't insure a high school if there's a shop or a woodworking class. So there's a lot of things that have got to change, that's for sure. And, uh, but we're all working to change it and, and get it better. Steve, do you have a comment on that? Yeah, I, um, you know, I just think that the, the, the need or the desire to have a specialized car, yours to look distinctively different than others, I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. I believe that the formula is going to change, and they may be powered, have a different source of power, but I think we're all going to want, still want ours to look different, whether it's the color or whatever the, the difference is. Uh, not too many years ago, we had three busloads of uh, young um, engineers, students from Japan, Toyota University, come visit our shop. Had no idea why they wanted to come visit our shop. I mean, we're like blacksmith compared to what these guys are doing over there. And, uh, and finally, I said, what are you doing here, you know? And there was 150 kids. And they said that they feel that in the future, there's going to be this need or or of for special made cars special cars for people so they weren't seeing how they were going to be powered and how they're going to get around but they feel that they're still going to be want things to be tailored to people so uh, i don't think we have to worry about our hobby going away anytime soon it's going to be a while and uh, i'm actually looking forward to the ride to see where where it goes it'll be fun 
You know, another thing too is if you go out in, on, the, on the show floor here and you see so many different types of cars, and that's what's great about this show uh, we put together is that you know uh, we we talked. Uh, I'm, I'm on the team that sort of helps Mel Melanie and 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 Michael put this thing together. And lowriders to me were so important to have here this year to show their passion and their style. I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable, you know, how that they are so involved and their whole families are involved with, with their passion. So they're cool. Hot Rods with Steve, you know, and, and individual, they don't all look the same. Uh, we've got now a, a group over here of women-owned cars. The, the girls own the cars. Bogey's built this beautiful truck over here. So it's, the, it's really growing. And with our television shows, too, we're bringing it to more and more people all over the world. Our, our show is seen in 39 countries now. I mean, it's amazing to think that, that all over the world, the Chasing Classic Cars, I'm dubbed in every type of language that there is. It's amazing, you know. I, you can hear my voice, but then all of a sudden, like two seconds later, you can hear the person in German. I, I actually talked to a, a guy that was my voice in German, Germany. So, it, it's it's kind of unusual to to do that. And he doesn't sound a thing like you, does not he? Not at all, not at all. But what's really great is is that our passion is there. It's growing and is now growing all over the world. I don't I don't think we have a problem with this with our hobby going away. Okay, last question. Go ahead. Well, I've been watching your program for those 12 years, and I've seen uh, Roger just accomplish every task he ever thrown at him. How long has he been in the business, and what's his background? So, uh, Roger's, uh, I knew Roger when I was 10 years old. I got to meet Roger. Uh, I'm a little older than that right now. Uh, but my dad uh, had a restoration and auto body shop, and Roger had a little place called the Foreign Car Shop in our town, and he fixed all the foreign cars, the Volvos and Volkswagens and things like that. Um, he was in the Air Force in Germany during, during his, uh, his stint in the, in the uh, armed forces, and he got to uh, race cars over there and ended up racing for the Porsche factory while he was in the Air Force. On weekends, he would race. And uh, he became an accomplished race car driver, f uh, winning the Formula V for Volkswagen Championship of the United States, Formula B, which is a Ford-powered little 16-cylinder uh, uh, race, open-wheel race cars. And then he competed in the Formula A Championship also. He's a very well-known, very accomplished race car driver, uh, dated Janet Guthrie, actually, at, at one time. So, um, and then... As, as he had a family, his son got involved with a uh, alternative energy program in his high school, and they ended up winning the national championship of high school division of, of the battery-powered cars. And so they all asked Roger. He was, he was the, the chief mechanic on the team, and they said, how did you do it? Well, Roger knew racing, and racing is doing things right on the edge of cheating. So you do it just enough so you're not cheating, but yet, boy, one more little thing and it would be cheating. So he would blow the tires up on these, on these battery cars to like 90 pounds. And he would use special wheel bearing grease and, and electrolytes in the batteries and so on and so forth. And he finally, he got so uh, uh, known for this that Brown University in Providence, Rhode Island asked him to come and teach the course. And so we call him Professor Barr today because he taught at Brown University. 
when he finished that program, he came to me and said he was closing his shop, and I asked him to come to work for me, and that was about 10 years ago. Wayne Carini of Chasing Classic Cars and car customizer and builder Steve Mole. We'll be back next week with another interview from the Classic Auto Show Celebrity Stage, this time with Stacy David of the TV show Gears. Hey, thanks for listening, and please share our show on social media. Subscribe, leave a comment, or if you're on iTunes, don't forget to rate us, and thank you in advance for helping our podcast grow. Our website is talkingaboutcars.net. Join our mailing list to keep track of what's happening with us and where we'll be doing live broadcasts on Periscope, Twitter, and Facebook Live. Until next time, I'm Randy Cardoon. Join me as we have some fun talking about cars.